0: Let us pray. Come Holy Spirit. Come Lord, we give you permission to speak and to do what you desire. Make our minds, hearts, and souls fertile soil for the gospel. That your word, the very word of God, the word of life, may bear great fruit in our lives. Illuminate for us the passion of Christ. Convict and console our hearts. Speak, for your servants are listening. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Behold the man. Behold the man. These words that the pilot is saying as as Christ comes out at this time after being scourged and and crowned with thorns. Fulfilling the prophecy uh, that we read in, in the first reading. He had no stately bearing in him. Nothing within him that would attract us to him that his appearance was no longer like that of a man. He stands before us, so physically marred from being scourged and crowned with thorns, that he almost no longer looks like a man. But the truth is, is that while exteriorly, he he may no longer look like a man, that interiorly, he is the one true man. He's the one true man. You know, in that moment, Christ personifies, right? He is taken onto himself our sin through the whole passion. He looks at that moment upon the cross. He's taken upon him the weight of our sin and the sin of the entire world. And so he, he is there as the new Adam. That the first Adam at the fall still physically looked like a man. But interiorly had lost the life of grace within him. Interiorly had lost the, the likeness to his creator. And so while exteriorly Adam still looked like a man interiorly, he had lost that reality of the depth of who he was as a man in the image and likeness of God. And so Christ, who interiorly is the man, the perfection of humanity, the communion of, of God and our very nature, exteriorly takes on the reality of being marred by sin and then it says right the very end of this gospel passage says they will look upon him whom they have pierced they will look upon him whom they have pierced this is a quote from the prophet Zechariah Zechariah Chapter 12 says this. They shall look upon him whom they have thrust through. And they shall mourn for him as one mourns for an only son. And they shall grieve over him as one grieves for a firstborn. And on that day, there shall be open to the house of David and to the inhabitants of Jerusalem, a fountain to purify from sin and uncleanness. When they look upon him whom they have thrust through, there should be open on that day for the house of David and for Jerusalem. That is us. We are the new Jerusalem. There shall be for us a fountain to purify from sin and uncleanness. So St. John tells us that he was an eyewitness of this reality, of the fulfillment of this prophecy, that his Christ heart was pierced, that blood and water poured forth from his heart. And the church has seen in this multiple things. One, the birth of the church that born forth from Christ through baptism symbolized by the water and the Eucharist symbolized by his blood. That that is where the church finds her birth from the pierced heart of Jesus on the cross, pouring forth from his side. We see in this an image of Adam and Eve as that Adam was put to sleep and the Lord removed right from his side a rib that that Eve came forth, that we, we, the bride of Christ, are born or created as he has fallen asleep in death on the cross and that we're taken from his side. Christ, the bridegroom, and we the bride, but the church also sees in this Christ as the new temple, and this is where this connection to Zachariah is, because Zachariah uh, seeing Christ as the new temple, there that this fountain of mercy would flow from. That in the first century Judaism, so so at this time when Jesus is being crucified, right, that each family would be bringing a lamb to be slaughtered by the high priest at the temple. We're talking thousands of lambs being slaughtered and they would put forth some of the blood on the altar. And there was so much blood that they had to have uh, a way for the blood to, to pour forth out. And so they had these drainage pipes from the altar that would go through the through the altar, through the temple and then down out the right side of the temple. From there that would mingle with water. So if you passed along the temple on this day, on this day when they were slaughtering the lambs for Passover, then you would see pouring forth from the right side of the temple, water and blood. The blood of the lamb. And if we look even further, the prophet Ezekiel has this vision, and this is while the temple is destroyed, he has this vision of the new temple. And from the new temple, from the altar, there would be a river of water that begins as a trickle within forms, and it just begins to pour and pour. And where is it pouring? It says, it says it's pouring from the right side of the temple. And then the water, he begins to walk and wade into the water. And at first, it is ankle deep, and then knee deep, and then waist deep. And then he's just swimming in this ocean of water. This prophecy about the ocean of mercy that would come forth from the heart of Jesus on the cross. As we look upon him whom we have pierced, then we see. The ocean of mercy coming forth from the heart of the Father, passing through the heart of Jesus in intimate communion with Him. Brothers and sisters, let us gaze upon Him. Yesterday, we spoke with a quote from John Paul II. It says man cannot live without love. Right? We're incomprehensible to ourself. We are senseless. If love is not revealed to us, if we do not participate in it, if we do not encounter love and that becomes part of it, of this intimate participation in our life, our life is senseless. So where do we encounter love? What Pope Benedict tells us in Deus Caritas S in God is love and speaking, he says, when we begin to contemplate the reality of what St. John says in his letter that God is love, the place to begin is from the pierced heart of Jesus on the cross. That if we want to encounter the love of God, it begins with a contemplation of the pierced heart of Jesus on the cross. This is where this encounter happens. This is where we encounter love. We need to pray, and our prayer needs to to be less focused on me, and more focused on Christ. I think. One of the greatest pitfalls in prayer is that we're in prayer thinking about ourselves and talking to ourselves way too much. We're in prayer thinking about ourselves and talking to ourselves way too much. When our eyes need to be on Christ and Him crucified and risen. So today, I want to invite you pray with this gospel. And I want to invite you all throughout your life, that especially in the midst of suffering, let us not gaze at our wounds so much. Let us not gaze at our suffering so much. We need to to not run away from it. We need to acknowledge it. We need to bring it to the Lord in honesty. But our gaze needs to be more on Jesus. Because when we look upon him whom we have pierced, we will see the river of mercy flowing forth upon us. This river of healing, this revelation of who God is, a God who suffers with us and that our suffering mingled with his, his the water and, and blood that poured forth from his heart. Our suffering mingled with his shares in his redemptive power. And it changes things. And it heals and it restores. And then as we're gazing upon him and and the blood and water that's pouring forth from his side is just washing upon us and washing upon us interiorly, just washing upon us. then, Then our vision of the world changes. Our vision of ourself changes. Because we see God as he is. And this love cannot be kept in. And then it therefore must manifest itself in love of neighbor. To be authentic. But then again, the gaze has to begin with Christ, to be consumed, to just be feeding and feeding and drinking deeply of the the water and blood that came forth from His heart on the cross. And just entering into everything and just passing, not focusing so much on myself and talking to myself, but gazing upon the Lord. And then my life is transformed. And then I go. And then I see him and my lonely brother or sister. I see him in the poor. I see him in those who are suffering. And then my heart is moved to love him there. To gaze upon his wounds there and to console him. Through tangible, real acts of love. Let us look upon him whom we have pierced. And in that we place ourselves right in the fountain of mercy. We see God for who he is, ourselves, in his image, and our brothers and sisters as he has created them. And that our hearts are filled with love. Contemplate him on the cross. Contemplate him in the scriptures, gazing upon his pierced heart. And in that gaze, we are healed. By his wounds, we have been healed. Don't look at your wounds too much. Don't look at them too much. But look at the wounds of Jesus. That is where healing lies. That's where grace is abundant. From the right side of the new temple, from the altar of his heart is found the waters of living life, of, of living, the river of living life. And then it will well up within us, Jesus says. And we will be alive. We will be renewed. We will be sons and daughters of the Father. Living in freedom. Behold him. Look upon him whom we have pierced. And then on that day. We will see. Fountain of mercy. Be made new.